The following program may contain views, ideas, and opinions that have been produced by the hosts and their guests and are not reflective of Quixie 98.3 or Sky Tower Communications. For questions, comments, and concerns, email us at news at wqxe.com. Good morning and welcome to Community Forum. I'm Zach Epperson. As we enter the eighth month of the COVID-19 pandemic here in the United States, we thought it'd be a good idea to check in with our friends at the Lincoln Trail District Health Department to see how Hardin and the surrounding counties are dealing in their fight with COVID-19. So we're joined on the phone this morning by Terry Bergen with the Lincoln Trail District Health Department. Terry, it's great to talk with you. How are you? I'm doing, I'm tired. (laughs) I think everybody can attest to that, right? Everybody's getting tired. So, it's so true, yes. it is absolutely, and um, you know, we're going. I think it is the we're going to the eighth month right now of COVID nineteen here in the U.S. And it's been a while since we've talked uh, about how the county's doing in the fight. I said the county, but the the service area for Lincoln Trail District, how it's doing in the fight against COVID nineteen. So I'll kind of turn it over to you now. How is the district doing? Well, we're definitely seeing an increase in our cases. Now, if you go onto our webpage, ltdhd.org, and uh, look at our dashboard, you will see, kind of be able to keep abreast of the number of cases that we're seeing um, uh, pretty much Monday through Friday. We update that dashboard. But there are several tabs, quite a few tabs at the bottom of the dashboard, and one of those is weekly incidence rate. If you click on that tab, you will see that the majority of the counties in Lincoln Trail District Health Department service area is either orange or red. And what that means is that we are experiencing accelerated or critical spread of COVID-19 within our counties. So what does that actually mean? Or what does that look like? So, Zach, I don't know if I had shared this this statistic with you at another time, but we know that in the previous three months that the number of COVID-19 cases, new confirmed cases, had increased by over 200%. So if we look at the month of October alone, right, Mm -hmm. so from March to the end of September, we had a total of 2,710 confirmed cases of covid In the month of October, we have already reached 1,200. Really? In the month alone. We're averaging about 100 cases, confirmed cases of COVID a day. I know recently I've looked at the numbers this, just this week alone, and every day it's it's consistently either you know 100 or so cases. Mm-hmm. I think today or yesterday, I should say, was 97 cases. But mm-hmm. you're starting to see those consistent high number of cases every single day. Yes, that is true. And and what I don't want people to do is I don't want them to have a false sense of security because some of the, the rumblings that we have been hearing is that, oh, you know, those cases are restricted to, let's say, uh, the detention center or uh, they're restricted to um, the long-term care facilities. And they're thinking that because they're, ha- they're happening in these contained facilities that it really has nothing to do with the community as a whole. And what I like for individuals to keep in mind is that, one, they are contained facilities. So anything that is brought into those facilities are usually brought in from individuals outside. So vendors who come in and provide services, staff members who come in and uh, work, so it is a really a reflection of what is actually happening in the community as a whole. 
Very important to know. Now, let me ask you this. In terms of, of cases, are there any recurring trends that you all have seen in the data? Is there any one group that's being affected more than another? Well, if you look on our webpage, uh, what we're seeing is that uh, females, uh, majority, about 53%, is what, what we're looking at. Uh, this is for the district as a whole. The male population, about 46%, account for new COVID cases. The majority are white. Um, the majority are not Hispanic, uh, although we are seeing increases among our Hispanic population. And then if we look at symptoms, the, the highest age group looks to be about 30 to 39. So we've dropped just a little bit because it was in the 40s. Um, so that's the demographics that we're looking at. Uh, the, the most common symptom is it appears to be a cough, uh, headache, people feeling tired, um, people feeling feverish, so they may not necessarily take their temperature, but they feel like they may have a temperature and muscle aches. Um, about 20% of them present without symptoms at all. In terms of those people who are uh, getting COVID-19, and you're saying the cough is the most uh, common. Is there any other symptom that people sh uh, should uh, really watch out for? I mean, you said that's the most prevalent, but there's a list of others, correct? Oh, yes, yes. And see, and I hate, it, we've had people with running noses, and that's it. Really? Yes. I mean, that's the only symptom that they had, but it was new for them. And so a lot of the symptoms of COVID mimic other illnesses. And so it's just very important that people recognize or understand what is happening within their own bodies. And if it's new for them, if it's different for them, then um, they should consider, um, they should uh, think about COVID as a possibility. Um, but symptoms range from abdominal pain, uh, chills, cough, diarrhea, um, actual fevers, nausea, uh, sore throat, uh, what's really unique to uh, COVID is a new loss of a taste or a new loss of um, a sense of smell. So those we know, if you have those for sure, they're usually an indication that you may have COVID. I know last time uh, that we talked about something different was about contact tracing and about letting people know how that process works, but also defining what a close contact was. I believe it was this past week the CDC put out some new recommendations about that. Has the, has the definition of a close contact changed at all that people need to be aware of? Well, we have been following that definition since the end of September. So what the CDC has put out, we were already... Uh, operating with, um, with that definition in mind. So before, you know, one of the things that we said a close contact was, was it was anyone within t uh, six feet for 10 minutes. So you remember that, right? Yes. That has changed to anyone within six feet for a cumulative total of 15 minutes. So you do not have to talk to someone who is a confirmed case of COVID-19 for 15 minutes uh well, if you talk for them for 15 minutes and one spiel, that counts. But what also counts are these brief episodes of talking to people, say for two minutes, three minutes at one time, four minutes at another. And if those brief episodes add up to 15 minutes within a 24-hour period, you're considered a close contact. Uh, what's also, uh, the definition has also included anyone who shares eating utensils or drinking 
um, uh, beverage cups with the confirmed case. If the confirmed case coughs or sneezes directly on someone, if their respiratory droplets land directly on you, or if you hug someone, you reach in and hug someone, say at uh, church, for example, because we like to hug at church. Um, Absolutely. If you hug someone or if you reach in and kiss someone, the 15-minute uh, uh, rule does not apply here. If, if you hug that person for a second or two and step away, you're close contact. Because you were right there with them. You're not, yes. yeah, it's, you're definitely within the six feet, but you're, you are interacting with them, right? Yes, that's exactly right. So um, moving on, I want to talk about uh, schools. Uh, since we, we, we've talked about schools several times uh, throughout this, um, but you know, recently in the past month or so, schools have made that return to in-person, partially in-person instruction. Have, how, have, how have cases been within the school district? I know we had the case with the Central Harden football team that they had to go under uh, quarantine for a week or, or two weeks. Um, but other than that, have you all been uh, pretty, you know, have you been pretty pleased, I guess, with what you've seen with the school district? Obviously, you don't want any, but uh, with what we know, have you been pretty pleased? Well, we have cases. What I will say, uh, Zach, is that we have cases coming from uh, all organizations and facilities, and school's one of those. We're getting to that time of year where the flu becomes a lot more prevalent. We've talked about how, you know, you don't want to have flu and you don't want to have COVID raging right. at the same time. Right. What are you all telling residents about this time of year? How can they protect themselves? How can they make sure that, you know, they are, you know, as they can be as equipped as they can to handle the, uh, you know, handle this time of year? The guidance that we give related to flu kind of corresponds or correlates or parallels with the guidance that we're giving with COVID. You know, I was listening to a webinar uh, about a week or two ago, and someone had actually tracked data that looked at when the governor started the uh, uh, closing, um, shutting everything down, and they also looked at when individuals started wearing masks and physical distancing. And when they compared that, they looked at COVID, right, and then they looked at the flu cases, and they could see a correlation between wearing masks and physical distancing that really had a dramatic impact on reducing flu cases. So our guidance is that what you are doing to protect yourself against COVID will, should also assist in protecting you against the flu. Wear your mask, physical distancing, washing your hands often, and avoiding mass gatherings. Now, the, the holidays are coming up, and there's a tendency because, you know, we want to be with our families on the holidays. It's, it's a time of large celebration. Extended family usually travels in. We love getting together, good food, watching the, the, the games. Um, that is not something that we're recommending this year. Um, if you go to the CDC website, they consider... Uh, high-risk behaviors, anything higher risk at, 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 um, as far as spreading COVID, going shopping in crowded stores, you know, so that Black Friday shopping, you would be better served if you stayed in your home and order online. Participating in a, a, a spectator sports, participating being a spectator at a crowded sport uh, race, uh, attending parades, um, and then, again, the large indoor gatherings. We're going to have a tendency, we tend to move more indoors when it's cold outside, and that's understandable. And it's even harder to keep those windows and doors open because it's cold outside. And so that's why you really need to limit those gatherings to the people who are in your household right now. 
And I know that it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard to do, but it's the way, it's what you can do to protect your family and to protect others who are at higher risk. Usually, at least in my case, Zach, I like my mom's cooking. Um, and those who have grandparents who are still alive, they're some of the best cooks, but there's also some of the individuals who may be at the highest risk for suffering uh, severe illness from COVID-19. They sure are. So we want to make sure that we protect those individuals, and if they don't live in your household now, then uh, bringing them in because of the holidays is, is, is putting them at risk. So it's not something that we're recommending. Uh, I wanted to talk about flu shots. Certainly getting a vaccine for flu is going to be important this year. Yeah. Um, when, where can people go get that? Do they, can they contact the health department to find out, or are you just telling them to go to you know their uh, f- uh, family physician? What's mm-hmm. the, uh, what are the details on flu vaccines for this year? Well, I would recommend that they reach out to their health care provider, and then a lot of the pharmacies around town are already providing flu shots. So that's another option uh, for individuals that are seeking flu shots. And, yes, we really want people to go and get their flu vaccine this year. It's even more critical than ever. One, and I've mentioned this before, is because even during a normal flu season, the medical capacity, the medical resources at a hospital uh, are already strained, taking care of individuals with flu. So we have COVID going on. And, we're, we're, and we have flu going on at the same time, that will put even more strain on the medical system. And so having a flu, getting a flu vaccine could potentially, um, if, you are, if you get the flu vaccine and that flu vaccine pr- helps protect you from getting the flu, then that could potentially save that bed for someone who is critically ill, not just from COVID, but for someone who may have, have been in a car accident and needed to needed the bed the ICU bed for that reason, or someone who's had a stroke and needs the ICU bed for that reason. We should do as much as we can to to that includes the the physical distancing, the masking, the the staying at home during the holidays, limiting travel because it could potentially help not only those who have COVID will have the resources, but those individuals who may have other conditions that require ICU resources. Very, you're absolutely right. Very important to understand that. I wanted to uh, kind of finish up our interview. You all have uh, some big news that came out uh, about free COVID-19 testing that's going to be going on for quite a while. So fill us in on the details there. What, what can people expect with that? How many opportunities do they have? Plenty. <laughs> and we want people to come, please. Uh, we are providing COVID-19, free COVID-19 testing. And it is for anyone that that wants a COVID test. Individuals who have insurance or who don't have it can be tested. They can come see us. Um, Individuals who are symptomatic or who are not symptomatic. You don't need a doctor's office, uh, excuse me, order. You don't need a doctor's order to come see us. The first testing site will take place um, uh, October 26th, which is Monday, here at our 108 New Glendale location. It will be drive-through uh, testing or drive-up testing, um, and we will have everything laid out to receive everyone. This test will be administered by us, so it's not one of those self-administered ones. We, we're, the LTDA staff will be doing the actual testing, and it can take uh, two to three days for your results to come back. Uh, we really want you to come in and get tested, we, uh, and um, we hope to see you on Monday. We will be here from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., so we operate during those hours. 
we highly recommend that you go on our website site and register for an appointment. So that is ltdhd.org, and I'm going to repeat it again, ltdhd.org. As soon as you click on the webpage, there's a long red bar that says uh, COVID-19 testing. Click on there. It'll take you exactly to where you need to go to set up an appointment. Now, for those individuals who may not have a computer, may not have Internet, they can call us at 270-769-1601. Pick option two when they hear the recording, and we can make you an appointment. Great community servicing that you all are doing for that because it's important for people to get tested. That you know, that way we know where we stand as a community. Now, I know that you said you know, you're starting it at the health department this coming week, but it's going to be all over the district in terms of testing. I think you all are yes. even doing a conjunction with Breckenridge County Health. Yes. Is that correct? That's exactly right. So we'll be in all of our six counties. That's why it's important that you go to our website and, and, and you'll, we'll keep it updated. The, the, uh, we, the, the appointments are set out for two weeks at a time. So keep checking back. Um, and But, yes, we're going to be in all six counties plus Brick. And we're going to be in various locations in Harden County. For example, we start here at LTDHD, but we're also going to be at uh, the Colvin uh, Community Center in Radcliffe on the 27th and the 28th of October during the same time, 10 to 3, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. That's great. Great stuff, Terry. Uh, to kind of wrap up now, is there anything else you want to let the audience know about COVID-19 or any of the health situations going on right now in the area? We just want people to stay diligent and we want them to continue to um, wear their mask, to physically distance, to wash their hands often. A vaccine will be coming, but we still have a little ways to go yet. And until that gets here, we have to do our part to protect ourselves, our families, and our communities. Absolutely. We're all on the same team on this one. Terry Bergen with the Lincoln Trail District Health Department joining me on the phone. Terry, thank you so much as always. Thank you, Zach. For a recap of today's forum or to listen to past forums, you can go to our website, wqxc.com, and click on the media tab. For Quixie 98.3, I'm Zach Epperson.